you have a Bible with you this morning, I want to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. It is our gospel reading. You just heard it. And as you turn there, I want to invite you to the first sermon in this series that we're preaching called uh, The Art and Neighboring. You are going to be inundated for the next seven weeks on what it means to be a neighbor. And so there are a few dangers that I just want to throw out there so that we can just get them out of the way. Okay, so here's the first. This is, these are words, this is a message, these are things that you have no doubt heard every single Sunday. We say them every Sunday. And you can become complacent, you can be like, yeah, I've heard this before, I hear it in fact every Sunday, um, you know, right, love your neighbor as yourself, love your neighbor, yeah, we get it, we get it, we get it, we get it, right? So, that, so don't let your mind go there. Here's the second thing. You may be convicted by these messages. And so just as a preface, don't become like the lawyer in this text. So don't, don't do it. Don't let your heart take you there. Don't try to defend yourself. Don't, you, I mean, you may be doing very well, but you may be convicted like I'm convicted right? And you, you may be like, yeah, I have totally missed the mark, but I'm going to justify myself now. Instead of running to Christ like this lawyer should have done and saying, have mercy on me, a sinner, you begin to just in your mind say, I've done well. Thank you very much. And just can't wait for the next seven weeks to be over with. Don't, don't do that. Don't let, I don't want Satan to get the upper hand this morning. So, with all that said, welcome. Um, I'm glad that you're here. I am. Um, you need, sorry, I'll just, one more thing. This isn't even in my manuscript, I'm sorry. Um, always know that the sermon that's preached on Sunday morning is always preached to us first. So, for the last five days, I've been on my knees in my study and being convicted, and, and that's what happens. And you, you want clergy like that, that are convicted, that will, that will, with sincere hearts, say, Lord, have mercy on us, right? Because he's worked on me for this last week. But now his work with me is over, and now I'm going to give it to you. <laughs> so here we go. 2009, a group of lead pastors from the Denver area got together to think and to pray and to dream about how their churches might join forces to serve their communities. And so they invited their local mayor that came, and they just asked him a simple question. And this was the question, how can we as churches best work together to, to serve our city? You know, to, to serve the people of this city. And one of the lead pastors, Dave Runyon, who obviously wrote this book, said that the ensuing discussion revealed um, a laundry list of social problems that are similar to inner, any inner city and any city across America. 
And then the mayor said something that inspired a joint church movement. This was what he said, quote, The majority of the issues that our community face would be eliminated and drastically reduced if we could just figure out a way to become a community of great neighbors. Great neighbors. So here you have a group of ministers that are sitting down with a mayor, how they can best serve their city, and he basically tells them, That it would be great if you could get your people to obey the second half of the great commandment, which which is crazy, really. And again, you and I hear this every Sunday, love your neighbor as yourself, but the question is, is really this, do we take this commandment seriously? And here's the next question. What if Jesus meant that we should love our actual neighbors? You know, like the ones living right next door to you. Like if you're in a subdivision like we're in, like in spitting distance. Well, the the text this morning, it it will help us. So let's go there because we need help. One main observation to make and apply this morning parable begins with a lawyer trying to justify himself. He's asking the question, who is my neighbor? Jesus, verse 29. It ends with Jesus' question, verse 36, which is totally different. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor? I want you to see this one crucial thing. Right Here it is, this one crucial thing. Jesus tells a story that changes the question. He's changing the question from what kind of person is my neighbor to what kind of person am I? And I want to show you this this morning. So let me say that again. He's changing the question from what kind of person is my neighbor Right? Because that's what the lawyer wants to know. Who's my neighbor, Jesus? Of course, he's, he's saying it in a very condescending way. We'll get to that in just a minute. But he's, he's saying it for all the wrong reasons. And Jesus is about to flip the tables, like he always does, to what kind of person am I? He changes the question from what status of people are worthy of my love to how can I become the kind of person whose compassion disregards status. So let's see this and then we'll apply it. First, a a bit of introduction. A lawyer, literally an expert in the Old Testament. So don't think judicial, laws, courtroom. Don't think that. Don't, Don't even... This is... Very much a religious leader who knew the Old Testament frontwards and backwards. And he comes and he asks in verse 25 about how to inherit eternal life. Great question. But here's the problem. He's not sincere at all. It says that he is what? He's testing Jesus. Right? He's going to test Jesus. He's trying to trip him up. 
Jesus puts the question back to him in verse 26 to just reveal his duplicity. What does the law say? He answers verse 27 that we should love God with all of our heart and our neighbor as ourselves. Right? Ding, ding, ding. Right question. He knows exactly how to answer the question. And so what's Jesus doing? He is exposing him. He's exposing his heart for where it really was. And how do we know that to be true? Well, look. He sees that he's been exposed. He needs to cover up his hypocrisy. And so verse 29 says, desiring to what? He's going to justify himself now. My, my, I'm convicted. I know that I've fallen short as a teacher of the law. I've not done this. And now I'm going to justify myself. And so he asks the question, and who is my neighbor? In other words, what he's really saying is this. I want to choose who my neighbors are. That's really what he's saying. I'm looking for a loophole, Jesus. Help me with this question. Don't you wish it was that easy? Right? Don't you wish you, you know, you kind of sit down at the coffee table with your significant other and you kind of lean over and you're like, house is for sale next to us. I wonder who's going to move in. And your significant other's like, well, that's funny that you should ask because uh, I got lots of applications here that we got to sort through. I mean, some of them look really good, like good candidates to move in, and others, not so much. <laughs> right? It's not the way it works. Neighbors are like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. I mean, it's, it's just not that simple. that You can just choose who lives around you. Right? I don't think we have any compounds in Somerville, not that I'm aware of. So we, right? And so how will Jesus answer this question? He doesn't like the question. He doesn't like when we carve up humanity into groups, some who are worthy of our love and others that are not. And so he doesn't answer the question, who is my neighbor? In fact, he tells a parable <laughs> that changes the question. Between Jerusalem and Jericho, there's a man that falls among robbers, verse 30, says that they stripped him, they beat him, they departed, and they left him half dead. First two people that come they possibly could aid his comrade, this fallen person, to pass by are what? A priest and a Levite, right? The most religious folks, and they both pass by on the other side, verse 31 and 32. Then came a Samaritan, not even a Jew. And the key phrase about this man that sets him apart from the priest and the Levite is what? He had compassion. He had love in his heart. He had compassion. And so you see how the focus is now shifting. The question about what kind of man is dying is not even, it's not even the story anymore. The whole focus is now on the kind of people who are what? 
are walking by. The Samaritan was a different kind of person. The two, first two had no compassion. The Samaritan has compassion. So when you get to the end, what's the question that Jesus asks? Well, notice it's not so, lawyer. Was the wounded man your neighbor? Was the wounded man the neighbor? That's not what he asks, is it? That's not the question. Jesus asked the lawyer, verse 36, which of these three do you think proved to what? To be a neighbor, which is completely the key. Lawyer said in verse 37, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus is straight to the point, just an arrow right through his heart, says, what? You go and do likewise. No answer to his question, who's my neighbor? Instead, go become a new kind of person. Go and get a compassionate heart. Is it unfair for Jesus to do that? No, and here's why. Because Jesus would what? Here, if you just read the rest of Luke, you read the end of the story, what's Jesus do? He pays the price, the ultimate price, to give you and I and this lawyer what? A new heart. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, A new heart will... Also will I give you a new spirit will I put within you. Jesus said at the Last Supper, this cup that's poured out for you is the new covenant in my what? In my blood. I'm going to shed my blood so that you can do this. Right? Don't leave here today thinking, all right, just another new commandment to obey. Thank you, Jesus. It's not what Jesus is doing. Jesus is saying, when you follow me, your heart is changed. And it's changed by having compassion to love people around you. And we're going to get to those people in just a minute. But when you're done trying to establish, is this my neighbor? Right? The decisive issue of love remains. What kind of person am I? Well, you see the practical compassion, this concrete, hands-on, get-messy compassion of verses 34 through 35. It's a huge part of the parable. It's really what Jesus is saying, right? Is that this Samaritan had compassion. You see it everywhere. Bound up his wounds, poured oil. He poured wine on him, set him on his own animal, brought him into the inn, took care of him, gave him the innkeeper money. What's Jesus doing? He's saying this is what compassion looks like. It isn't always easy. It can be dirty, work. But this is what it looks like. What if then we took this compassion that we see here back to our neighborhoods? Well, now that we've saw it, let's apply it. Here's number one. Number one is this, at your address, fill in your address, right? 
So at 132 Malibu Road, which is my address, I'm going to love my neighbors with this kind of compassion. That's how you apply this message, number one. I'm going to love those around me. And so when you came in this morning, you were given a half sheet that looks just like this. So if you have it, just kind of wave it in the air. So good. So all, all of you hopefully get one. You need one before you leave today. If you don't have one, I really would exhort you to get one. So you'll notice on this half sheet of paper, mine's a little bit bigger than yours, but in the middle is a home. And you'll notice that it's your home. And the question that you and I and all of us are here to answer is, who is it that lives next to you? Who lives to the side of you and who lives in front of you? Who are the first three houses in front of you and who are the three houses that live in back of you? And what I want you to do today or tomorrow or this week sometime is try to fill in who lives around you. Do you know them? Right? Do you know them? Do you know them by name? Do you know them by their first name? Do you know them by their last name? What do you know about them? Do you know anything about them? And so all this is to do is to get you thinking. Either that, I know my neighbors, which is great. <laughs> That's wonderful. And we'll, we'll get to what's next after that. But do you know your neighbors? Do you know who lives by? Or, or is it, or you may be like me and like, I could fill in a few houses, but man, <laughs> I, I can't fill in all of them. There are people that live in my location right next to me that I, I don't know. Here's the second way that we can apply this message is pray. Pray this week that God would now begin to open doors. That they would just fling open for those neighbors that you may know or those may, neighbors that you don't know. And Perhaps it's a neighbor that you don't know. Like, I don't know who lives across the street. Lord, I pray that you give me an opportunity this week for me to get to know that person. Just for me to introduce myself. Right? Because you and I both know what happens when we do this. It goes from, hey, brother, or hey, neighbor, to... Hey, Mike, to, hey, Mike, can you, um, can you come over to my garage and help me with something real quick? I, something I need some help with. To, hey, Mike, how's the family this week? How you doing? How's your job going? I know that your wife got into a car accident this week. How can I, how can I pray for you? How can we serve you? How can we love you? See it? See how this kind of, this can happen? Like if you get to know all of your neighbors and you start to love them with this kind of compassion. So what is God going to do through this parish, through relationships built in our neighborhoods? The difference will be this. Will you be like this teacher of the law who asked, who is my neighbor? Or will you ask, 
won't you be my neighbor? <laughs> right? See the difference? I mean, Fred Rogers did put it best when he said, the greatest thing that we can do is to help someone know that they're loved and that they're capable of loving. And that begins with our neighbors. Let's pray. Father, mobilize us. Work in our hearts to get to know those that live right next door to us. And I pray, Father, that you would move our hearts with compassion and love to to reach and to get to know, to care, that we would share the gospel, that we would be the hands and feet of Christ, not just to those that we know and those that look like us and dress like us and like the things that we like, but fathers, those that don't, that may live right next door to us. So work in our hearts, mobilize us, use us for your glory and your honor. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.